Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Eye on the Hill 2020 with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike. This is episode 30. I'm so excited for this conversation for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I so much enjoy history and the the Equal Rights Amendment and the debate that uh, started after the, the, the passage of uh, that effort to change the U.S. Constitution has been fascinating. Uh, learning some of the intricacies of how amendments to the U.S. Constitution are brought about is fascinating. And uh, this was just another opportunity to kind of refresh my memory on some of that. We spoke earlier today on this program to Representative Karen Kwan, a Democrat representing District 34 here in the state of Utah. She has introduced a joint resolution uh, which would ratify the Equal Rights Amendment here in the state of Utah. Real quick background. In 1972, uh, there was an effort in Congress to change, to amend the U.S. Constitution. Uh, It was successful out there and then required ratification uh, by, uh, Candace, help me out. How many do they need? Like 30 or so? Anyway, they, they didn't they didn't cross the finish line back in '72. Uh, not uh, enough states said, "Yeah, we're on board." And uh, that, interestingly, that piece of legislation in Congress way back then in 1972 carried with it a deadline of 1979, just a, a few years to to get that whole effort across the finish line. Well, uh, that was unsuccessful, and then Congress said, oh, let's uh, extend the deadline. And uh, Anyway, it made its way to the courts, and so there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of very interesting questions that have arisen from this effort uh, to amend the U.S. Constitution through uh, the Equal Rights Amendment. In a moment, we're going to talk to Candace Perucci. She has some strong feelings on this newly uh, revived effort here in the state of Utah. But first, uh, can I say, mm-hmm. what a cool day this is. Yeah. You and I, 10 years ago today, uh, met for the first time yep. here in this building, uh, just out the door and up those stairs, as you and I served as interns. We were working for then uh, Representative Carl Wimmer, who then represented District 52. Yep. And since then, a lot has happened. Yeah, uh, quite a bit. You and I uh, have, uh, our lives have changed dramatically. Our families have grown. We've each, uh, uh, not to each other, but to folks have gotten <laughs> yeah. married. Uh, we've each uh, had children. Uh, and uh, today, you and I find each other uh, and find ourselves right back here in uh, this building. Me in this uh, new funky little position as a talk show host. <laughs> and you... 
uh, in the esteemed position, representing members of your community, not just uh, representing any House district, but the one uh, for which you served as an intern uh, those 10 years ago, District yeah. 52. It, what's that mean to you? It's been a pretty surreal day, honestly. And I thought today, so as we had the Pledge of Allegiance, Representative Wimmer had asked me to lead the body in the pledge at one point. And so as I stood up, when I, as an intern, I thought this is the coolest thing I'm ever going to do. And today to stand up as a, a representative and do that, it was incredibly humbling. It was really cool. Really, really cool. Now, you uh, you had been in this position during the special session late last year, so you've mm-hmm. cast a vote on the floor yep, of the House. and I was you've... here for the November interim. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you've been here, uh, but but today's different. Today yeah. is a brand new <laughs> it's deal. It's a big day. You, later on today, will be uh, presenting on the floor of the House. Yeah, one of our committee bills, uh, HB 42. It's largely a cleanup bill for heritage and arts. What's a cleanup bill? What's that mean? It, it means that, uh, you know, it came out of committee unanimously so everyone could agree yes this is something we need to do and in this one it makes some technical changes to help improve the program ah very good you nervous I, you know a little but I think I've got you shouldn't be <laughs> well maybe you should be I don't know I, I don't know. know I'm still nervous now 30 episodes into this new program and I think the nervousness keeps me uh, at least sharp or at least yeah, terrified exactly. of failure yeah or saying the wrong thing yeah. uh, but no that's exciting yeah yeah I'm, I'm proud of you about it thank you thanks um, the reason we're chatting here today, it's not just to look back over the past 10 years and uh, pat ourselves on the back at how far <laughs> we've come, uh, but rather uh, it's to get your thoughts on this Equal Rights Amendment, specifically an effort by Representative Kwan uh, to ratify that amendment. It's a fascinating thing. Uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, I think, most recently mm-hmm. ratified it. Um, and now uh, Representative Kwan uh, would like Utah to, to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. And very basically, the Equal Rights Amendment just puts uh, just it, it gives constitutional language to the belief that men and women are equal. Is that correct? Except for it doesn't say men and women. Okay, it's go ahead. Based on sex, right? So that's different. Okay, and and, and um, but it, but essentially that's in the nutshell what they're. The advocates and what we're looking at, yeah. How do you? Well, one one interesting bit of history we should point out that uh, Utah. We've been far ahead of this. We've been ahead of this for a long time. Yeah, we've been voting for a while. Some odd years. Eighteen ninety six. We wrote uh, a little uh, document here in the state of Utah and made things all uh, equal and even for everyone here in the state of Utah politically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so let me ask you. Uh, this is the meat of our conversation here. How do you respond to this uh, effort from Representative Kwan? You bet. So, and I admire her and respect her for what she's doing. Um, for me. Honestly, at the very beginning, just from a legal perspective, I feel like this is a moot point. So it required 38 states to ratify it. They fell short, and then um, they even extended the deadline into the 80s, and there were no new states that ratified it, but five states rescinded it. And so for me, um, and even the Supreme Court... States who had at once said, yeah, we're yeah, on we'll board. Yeah, we'll do it, and then they pulled it. Got mm-hmm. it. And then even this, there was a Supreme Court case, National Organization of Women v. Idaho, where they said, this is moot. It's past the deadline. And so for me, at the, if you wanted to start the whole thing over again, start at ground zero, I think we've shifted quite a bit from the 70s um, and what that looks like. For me, as a woman, I feel like... Um, the 14th Amendment already provides me equal protection under the law, and that is what, um, you know, part of this is seeking, right, is that equal protection. Um, and I've actually heard from some women's groups concerned that women would lose programs like food subsidies aimed at mothers um, and that distinctions based on women um, could actually... 
become at risk um, that have been helping them for so long. Um, and I think, too, it's worth pointing out that our understanding of gender and sex have shifted, right? And how people identify has shifted as well. Um, so I think that's where something that was in the 70s is, is so different today in 2020. And it's not to say, I, I think, you know, you have extreme fringe on both sides. Since the ERA started in the 70s, right? Women are in combat if they want to be, right? And um, we've had the Equal Pay Act and we've had so many different things that for me, I feel like the Constitution already affords me everything that I need. Um, and I know a lot of people have argued and said, well, this is symbolic. And you don't just amend the Constitution for symbolism. You know, so that that's where I come at it. That's a great point. L- let me ask you this. How about this notion that passage of this amendment to the Constitution would lead to uh, certain unintended consequences? In particular, you mentioned combat. How about uh, draft. compulsory conscription? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's pretty far fetched, honestly, for that to happen. So I, I'm not one of those doomsdayers who says if this happens, the whole world's going to break down. I really don't. It's more of a legal argument for me. Uh, but I, I mean... I'm going to just, since we're just discussing this, it's, though, it's, just, it's, like, it's just us here talking. You know, There's no on one the radio, it. that's it's, right. It's a new uh, show. <laughs> <laughs> no, but since we're talking about it, I mean, I have heard some studies have said, would we go to war less if uh, Congress individuals were thinking of their daughters and not just their sons, right? Oh, and I think if we were to, it's unlikely we'd have a draft again. Sure. Um, yeah, the nature of warfare is it, very it's unlikely. It's totally changed, right? Um, so I, I doubt that would be the case. I also think there's still the physical requirements in place, right? So I think it gets a little more complicated. Um, but I know there is fear-mongering on both sides that if we don't pass this, women, women will always be second-class citizens. And then on the other side, it says there's going to be a massive breakdown of the home if we pass this. Then I think both are wrong. I see. Uh, listen, Candace Perucci, I am uh, so grateful to you for joining us in this segment. I'm grateful to you uh, for uh, speaking out on this issue. I'm anxious to follow its progress. I think uh, I, I think this is going to be a thing this session. I yeah, think you're going to have to stand your ground a number of times. This isn't going to be the only time. And I, I'd like to talk to you as that process continues. You and bet. I'll certainly speak with Representative Kwan as she uh, continues her efforts. Uh, but beyond and above all of that, I'm proud of you. And I'm grateful to you for what you're doing here. This is absolutely incredible. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on the show. You're a, you're a legislator. <laughs> that's a cool, cool thing. Hey, thank you. I Good appreciate you. it. Uh, that's it for today's program. I am incredibly grateful to you all for listening. I'm grateful, too, to KSL News Radio for letting us have this opportunity. And I'm certainly grateful to all the legislators who have joined us over the course of the program today, sharing with us all of their goals and ambitions for this legislative session. And I invite you to tune in and listen and learn and find out what's going on here at Utah's Capitol Hill. It's a, it's a remarkably accessible legislative body. Sets us apart from anywhere else in the country. That's it for today's program. Join us back here tomorrow, same time. Next up here on KSL News Radio, it's Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.